welcome to another episode of Fully Booked. I'm Megan. And I'm Shireen. And today we are going to be talking about The Great Gatsby. My favorite. The 2013 film directed by Baz Luhrmann. This is our second Baz Luhrmann film starring Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, and I promise we're not always going to do these, but you know, <laughs> I may have something to do with yeah, this. potentially with some of the choices <laughs> that we're making. So anyway, we're talking about The Great Gatsby today, which I think we're both excited about. I actually hadn't watched it in quite a while, so I watch getting it once a year. You're so funny. So getting to revisit it, Sheree never watches new movies. She just watches the ones that she likes from ten years ago, over and over and over again. It's so accurate. The only time she watches new movies is when I make her do it, <laughs> and I do it kicking and screaming. And you're just like, oh, but we could just watch this that I've already seen listen it's been a two-year pandemic I need to know like with some certainty what's gonna happen okay I need to know what to expect out of life okay these movies don't let me down I know where I stand with them okay oh boy I was excited to watch it again because it has been a minute since I have because I actually watch new movies on a regular basis that I've never seen before not necessarily newly released ones but I will watch films that I have not watched previously feeling attacked right now you should (laughs) um so yeah so no and we had uh we had a good time with it Mm -hmm. so let's get into that whole thing let's talk about the great Gatsby starring Leo Starring shit, Carrie Mulligan, <laughs> starring Tobey Maguire, and nobody else's name I can remember. Such a great movie. Hooray. Let's go. New York, 1922. The tempo of the city had changed sharply. The buildings were higher. The parties were bigger. The morals were looser and the liquor was cheaper. The restlessness approached hysteria. Shall we? This Gatsby. Do you know him? War. Mr. Gatsby doesn't exist. Gatsby? What Gatsby? So, uh, The Great Gatsby, released in 2013, based on the novel of the same name, um, has currently a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb and 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Y'all have to get your lives straight well, that's because like, that's like, like that's really disappointingly that's low the horrible. audience score is 67 percent. that's still really low but yeah it seems <laughs> it seems low to me that seems criminally low for this film i'm surprised that <laughs> it doesn't have more than it has maybe it's that a lot of people hadn't read the book or maybe um i think that yeah. you know what though i think that there's something I think that with some pe- for some people and probably for critics especially Baz Luhrmann's films I think certain people think are how do I put this like all flash and no substance mm. just because of the visual impact of them but I don't think that that's true at all no particularly not in this case but even like uh, like Moulin Rouge or something like that also has like quite a story in it and I don't think that it's sacrificed for the visual aspect of the film well I mean the visual aspect of this p- film what it did more than anything was that it um it just helped the story become more alive yeah 
yeah, than because it was. The, so there's a version. I don't remember what year it was released. I think it was the 70s or maybe early with 80s Paul Newman. with Paul Newman. Yeah, um, and it is so incredibly boring. <laughs> I don't think right. I, I don't think I've ever made it through the entire thing. It's all dialogue. There's nothing interesting to follow, and even the way that it's delivered isn't interesting. Well, and this is kind of the the caveat with The Great Gatsby as a novel. I mean, it's a it's actually more of a novella because yes. it's so short. Yeah. Um, the story isn't very elaborate, and if you're not paying attention to the language that's used by F. Scott Fitzgerald, which yeah. is more poetic than anything, oh yeah, um, and you're not dissecting every line and trying to understand all the imagery and all the the real insinuations behind the words, then it is a fairly boring story. <laughs> yeah, if you're not, that's it. I guess I guess if you don't take the time to look into it a little bit further, you're not going to you're not going to get anything out of it really. No, you're gonna read the story of a guy who has this very lavish life who throws yeah. parties and you later find out that he's doing this to attract this woman Daisy Buchanan to mm -hmm. his parties um, and you again you later find out that it was because they had met five years previously he fell in love with her and he did everything he could to become rich to try and be a version of himself that she would be with yeah yeah, that she would see herself, I guess, that she would be, he would, I don't know, that she would be proud yeah. to be with and he would be able to feel proud to have her in that case, which before he became, you know, rich and prolific the way that he is in the novel, he wouldn't have felt that he deserved her, I guess. Right. And, and I think that, um, <laughs> we just start on the plot and no idea yes so so the great gatsby uh the movie based on the book as you said cut that out you've already said that uh, <laughs> so we start with uh nick carraway who's played by toby mcguire mm -hmm. in this movie and i think when the movie came out i was initially a little bit like bleh toby mcguire for this i think he did um, a really good he job he did such though. a good job you know what it's one of those i think that deserves like a rewatch to appreciate some more more of the casting and more of the different aspects of it, which I think it's true because it's very flashy. Yeah. Sometimes you lose some of that initial and you're so focused on, let's say, Gatsby and Daisy mm. that you lose a little bit of what the other uh, actors bring to the performances, to the performance. which they bring a lot. Everybody's a great. Lot. Everyone's well cast. And I think that, um, you know, we, we had a really in-depth discussion about the characters as we were watching the movie. And I, I really think that, overall they didn't do nick justice the complexity of his character in yeah. this movie they they really gave him a very um you know he's the narrator um and they gave him this persona of someone who's nice and who's friends with mm -hmm. everyone um they use his opening lines in the movie but what they don't do is they don't go further into what he actually says when he starts um the book yeah. And it's important that if you read this book, you remember that Nick is actually an unreliable narrator and he gives himself away within the first lines. Um, you know, he, he basically overall says, I don't judge people because my father told me that not everybody has the same advantages that I do. But then he goes on to basically say that 
everybody is given their status at birth and that's just the way it is and so he just judges people so there is an automatic judgment that's <laughs> right. in there yeah so nick obviously um right at the beginning is i think he i suppose he's self he's checked himself into sort of a psychiatric counseling kind of facility basically that's in the movie yes yeah <laughs> and he's the way that the narration's done is that he's telling the story and then writing, but still telling the story to his psychiatrist, who at first seems super bored, but really gets into the story as time goes on. <laughs> and really it's just like puttering that. around, but also really listening to what's happening. I thought it was interesting. It was just a funny little side thing that you see every once in a while. They'll bring a scene back to be like, hey, don't forget, he's telling the story to someone just in case you forgot about it. Yeah, and um, so... Also, in the story, it is very obvious that Nick is in love with Gatsby all oh, throughout, yeah. Yeah. Um, which you don't see in the movie. Um, Not really. Uh, I think they tried to kind of like super subtly, but they really try to make it more of a friendship thing. Yeah. Where I think, yeah, I think in the story itself, it's more heavily implied that Nick is gay mm-hmm. and that you know, that's why there are certain decisions that are made in the book in certain parts that they definitely cut out. Like you said, so, um, not too long after Nick arrives in New York mm-hmm. and he is, you know, young and naive and stuff, which comes across quite well. Very, yeah. Toby um, McGuire does a great job of that. Yeah. He goes to visit, uh, Daisy and her husband, Tom Buchanan, who also, I think he also like so excellent, so Such good. A great I performance. Think his name Joel Edgerton or something. I think he's an Australian actor. Mm. He's so good. He's so incredibly cast in this movie. Absolutely. Like, he really shows, you know, Daisy calls Tom a brute. Yes. And this actor does an amazing job of demonstrating this brutish attitude, you know, from... While still being very pompous about the way that he goes about things, which makes sense because, again, they're old money. They're, you know, generations into generations of wealth exist in this family. Um, Yeah, so Nick goes to see them. He goes out with Tom on the town a little bit, but there's this really wonderful scene where, so he, um, you know, he sees Daisy who he hasn't seen in a long time. Uh, he meets Jordan Baker, who's mm. the famous golf player who he kind of has an on again, off again thing with a little bit, mm-hmm. um, like a flirtation more than anything I'd say throughout the course of the story. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how serious that is in the book. Well, so the insinuation in the book is that there is a flirtation, but that he's attracted to her because, first of all, her name is Jordan. For so sure. it's it's a very male... Um, like a masculine-sounding masculine name, name. Especially for the 20s. Yes. Uh, she's a professional golf player. Which was considered an only... Basically an only masculine only. sport at that time as well. Now, like, a lot of things are really different now. So when we look at it now, we're like, yes, yeah, so she's a golf player. So what? Exactly. But at the time, that would have been considered a much more masculine sport. And she herself is described as, I guess, more traditionally, quote-unquote, masculine-looking. Yes. You know, she's more, she's more of a boyish figure and mm-hmm. face and things. And so he finds himself quite intrigued by her yes and he is quite attracted to her um there's not too much of a focus on it but it it just contributes to this uh insinuation that nick that nick's character is gay yeah Mm -hmm. exactly so um 
very they have this really wonderful scene where they're all eating together basically yes. and the phone keeps ringing and the phone itself in that scene becomes like a character basically yes. because you know it's very you're very quick to realize that the phone keeps ringing because Tom's mistress keeps calling him right to speak to him about things and um, Nick even says like we become very aware of this fifth metallic yes guest. yes at yes. the table basically who's you know and it's it's uncomfortable everyone knows everybody's uncomfortable at the table then of course Tom immediately changes his tune and is like, oh, let's let's go into town, old friend. Like, let's go do that. So they, you know, take off together. Um, of course, swing by the garage, Wilson's garage, where he lives and works with Myrtle, who's the wife who right. Tom's having an affair with. Right. And um, I think in the book, Wilson is described as so dumb he shouldn't be alive. Um, they live in this area that they call the Valley of Ashes. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that's the description of it because it's, it's supposed to be very metaphorical for, you know, like hell and God yeah. and um, a lot of these pieces because there's a giant billboard of – uh, Dr. T.J. Eckelberg, and there it's these giant glasses. Because yeah, he, he was, was a, an oculist an o- or something. An oculist or an ocularist or something. Years before, years. And, and it's like a rundown billboard. But it's the it's literally the cover of the novel, the cover that everybody yes. sees. You know, it's like the eyes, the popularized one, the blue cover that has the eyes on it. Yes, and it just looks. The symbolism, of course, is that it's like you know the eyes of, of God, God that are looking down on this like like shitty area of town yeah basically. like this poor area yeah. where i think the insinuation is that like god, the eyes of god are not hidden from anything even in the worst yeah. parts of the world and so this is where myrtle and wilson live and myrtle is obviously um of a certain you know intelligence and her husband is not so no. the circumstances of her life have led her to being extremely poor, being married to this man who she obviously does not love. She actually, yeah. I think she hates him. Oh, I'm pretty sure she does. <laughs> she makes it pretty obvious. Like every, I think every time she can get a jab in, then like you're an idiot without yes. saying you're an idiot outright. She just does. She does. And, and having Tom be her, her man is her ultimate dream. And yeah. she clings on to this and she does have a certain, and, and what I love about this in the movie is that Isla Fisher does such a good job. Yeah. She does a great job of showing how bold Myrtle is. Yes. Like it's not that she's thankful to be with this rich man. She thinks that it's what she should have had. Yes. It's what she should have life. been born into. It's what she should have been able to achieve. And she hasn't. So now she figures she's getting what she's owed. Exactly. And they have this apartment in town. They get this it is. dog. <laughs> the decor in this apartment Fantastic. is so garish. So great. And it makes so much sense because obviously she decorated it. Obviously. It's so incredibly clear. It's bright. The wallpaper is horrendous. It's like this terrible flowery stuff. It's got like, they've got weird lamps everywhere and like beads and pearls hanging off of everything. It's just, it's so awful and so tacky. But it's so like someone, again, everything in this movie, every character they have this aura around them of, are they old money or new money? And it's very obvious. Or are they just poor? Or are they just poor? Yeah. But it's very obvious who falls into what category. Oh, yeah. Myrtle is obviously somebody who has never had anything. And so now that she has the opportunity to have something, she just goes all out. <laughs> she goes all out. Yeah. It's, just, it's kind of like, you know, like if you won the lottery one day and then you, you bought a gold toilet. Yeah, that's it. And then two <laughs> years later, you were like, what the hell was I doing what with that? What was I doing with that? <laughs> but right. But I still, I get to put my ass on a gold toilet every exactly. day. Exactly. <laughs> so, so they, you get into this scene where they're having this 
party at this apartment. Um, Nick is being kind of shoved in with Myrtle's sister. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's attractive and people who ought to know say that she is. Yeah, yeah. She's, yeah, she's been, what does Myrtle say? Like, you know, she's been called attractive by people people who ought to know or something. And so, you know, there's all these fantastic lines that are pulled directly from the book, by the way. Um, And Nick is obviously uncomfortable. He doesn't want to be there, but he's there for Tom and he kind of in the movie he gets drugged by her sister um in the book this is where there's an insinuation that nick has uh sexual relations with a male photographer who's just hanging out with him at the party yeah so again like just this theme of who nick really is keeps coming back um another note about nick is uh they often mention that he doesn't have money which really makes me laugh because (laughs) he is born of money he went to yale yeah i know Uh, (laughs) and he's and like you know they're only saying it because and he says it as well because he's like oh i'm i'm trading stocks or whatever on wall street but i've just started doing that and you're like what (laughs) well like it just goes back to showing his level of privilege as somebody who's able to suddenly decide he wants to to go trade stocks or bonds on Wall Street yeah, at the drop yeah. of a hat. Um, you know, so he's studying this and they're all having a joke with him and they're like, oh, you're so cute and poor. But I think I think he's kind of doing this persona of like the poor student yeah. for fun. Like, you know, oh, we're going to let him go backpacking around Europe and get it out of his system. Kind yeah, that's of kind of because it sounds like, oh, he just wants to do a gap year and then he'll settle down. Exactly. Sort of. It has that kind of vibe to it that you're like, oh, okay, well, this mm. is weird. Um yeah, they have their little party, whatever. He goes back to the cutest cottage I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I want to live there. <laughs> it's so cute. It's all like, it's all, it's got like the climbing ivy. It's got all I the cute it. little things. It's got the fountain in the front and stuff. It's adorable. I love it so much. It's so funny too to see the tiny, the teeny tiny little cottage just mm. totally dwarfed by like just, just the first little column of Gatsby's mansion oh like gosh. right next door because he lives right across the biggest hedge I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's just up there 20 stories is high and he's got like this little teeny cottage for one person yeah yeah and I love that because that reminds me of um you know when you go into like an older neighborhood if mm, you're just driving through yeah and you can see where like some properties have been sold and then torn down and a very modern new kind of house will have been yeah. built up there but then you look and you've still got these like tiny bungalows mm. and like these little itty bitty places that are you know like smaller a lot like a lot less in your face mm. basically and that it's so funny to see the just the, the juxtaposition in older neighborhoods where like <laughs> nothing goes together nothing matches and I think that again that goes back to this idea that so West Egg where Gatsby and Nick yeah. are living is new money yes and east egg is old money and so in the old money neighborhood the houses would have been mega from the get-go yeah so so they're all they, they all, all look fit that together way. yeah they, they all, all look that they way. all look that way but yeah. in west egg this is where you get this difference of a small versus a big because um the the new money came in and they tore down the old properties yeah. and they spent their money in a build their flashy new properties that's it so nick gets to go do this he sees all these crazy parties that are happening and then one day gets an invitation from gatsby directly to go to one of the parties Mm -hmm. Uh, so he's like okay cool um i'm gonna walk literally like across the lawn basically and go to this party he gets there everybody it seems like the entire city of new york somehow flocks to this place and they all know who gatsby is but they don't know him they've never met him but they're all like oh well you have to know who that's what one of the first things jordan says when he says he lives in west egg she says oh well you must know gatsby Gatsby. everyone knows gatsby which is so funny because then you know everybody who he 
he speaks to at the party. He's like, oh, I'm looking for Mr. Gatsby because he wants to say thank you like, for being we've invited. Never met him. Yeah, they're all like, oh, I don't know who that is or I've yeah. never seen him before. And then, you know, you get your big reveal because he's having a chat with a person who you're only kind of hearing and not really seeing and saying like, oh, yeah, all these people are telling me that he was like friends with this like crazy German king or some garbage. Yeah, and that he's second cousin to the devil and like Nick is having a great laugh at his own joke because he's completely rip-roaring he, drunk yeah, at this lushed. point. Because, <laughs> because he does the thing that you do when you go to a party mm. that somebody's invited you to but you don't know where that person is and you don't know anybody at the party so you just kind of get drunk and you sit in the corner because you're like, <laughs> where do I go? And that's kind of what Nick does throughout this whole movie. Yeah. Um, and again, that's why he's the narrator but um, yeah, so we get this, this great reveal um, the, probably the best reveal in cinematic history it with Leonardo like, DiCaprio. Good, yeah, with like, his big glass turning around yeah. saying, like, you know, like, saying, like, oh, I'm Jay Gatsby. Oh, I'm Gatsby. And he just, like, introduces himself and it's You're like, of course you are. This is the only... <laughs> the only movie and I'm gonna people are gonna be like what because so many people are like in love with Leonardo DiCaprio and especially people like our age were in love with him in the 90s mm. I think when Titanic. he started out yeah mm. like that era um this is the only movie that I've ever been attracted to him in ever he does such a good job as yeah. Gatsby um Leo if you're listening to this I don't agree with her I well, think you're very cute uh <laughs> now <laughs> well you know no you're too old for him now he won't date anybody over 25 anyway <laughs> bazing yeah um so <laughs> continue here so um we have this great reveal and then uh Gatsby asks to speak to Jordan Baker one-on-one and then there's this you know kind of frantic scene at the end where Nick has passed out because he's super drunk and they're playing that really great Florence the Machine song so good it might be my favorite one it's so good the green light song it's so good the soundtrack to this entire movie fantastic yeah they're so good weirdly it's one of those that works incredibly well having the more modern sound up against a more period backdrop it works really well really well and so you know there's this moment where you're kind of like is Nick just passed out there because he thought Jordan was going to be murdered or did he just pass out I would have been really concerned I don't know (laughs) he does he seems like kind of concerned but also kind of drunk I would have been like oh my god is she she okay okay? like if the shady person who you've almost never met before let's say who nobody nobody really knows very much about that's true mm. is like hi this person would like to speak to you in private I would leave also his creepy henchman who's always like walking around oh, being lurch like, yeah who just <laughs> pops out of nowhere and is like hello, hello. this person's on the phone yeah, Chicago's, Chicago's on the calling. phone yeah Philadelphia's calling and you're like where did you come you need to put a bell on him like a yeah. cat <laughs> Anyway, so, you know, she's telling him that she's just heard the most fantastic story about Gatsby and Daisy, but she doesn't elaborate further. And so, it drives me nuts when people do that. And people show up and they're just like, I just heard the best hot goss. And you're like, all right, sweet, spill the tea. And they're, and like, they're sorry, just like, I can't oh, no, right I can't. now. Yeah, I can't. Oh, no, I'll tell you later. Like, why did you even why tell me you? that you knew anything in the first place? <laughs> Megan's pet peeves, number 534. I, I have too many, but it's just, it drives me nuts. I hate that. Why would people do that? to someone don't tease it and then just bring it all back and make me and tell me that I'm gonna have to wait for it so anyway the next scene (laughs) is that you know Nick is going to lunch with Gatsby and he's saying that you're going to be taking Jordan to tea because she's gonna tell you everything yeah um and Nick is of course as in every scene in this movie like I have no idea what's happening, but I'm going to let it happen. Okay. And he just kind of like goes along with it. You know what though? That would be, to me, that would be 
maybe like a really subtextual but not subtextual way of telling us that Nick's like really attracted to Gatsby because he's just going along with it oh yeah and that's that's totally obvious in the book that he is like absolutely in love with this man yeah um and he tries to support him as best as he can in all of his endeavors but ultimately like he adores Gatsby yeah um, yeah, they go off to their lunch thing. He tells his story about being a war hero. It's like a really well-rehearsed elevator pitch, which right. is what we were talking about, you know, that he's like a war hero, and then he he managed to do all of these different things when he was there, and then he started all of his businesses and, like, all of this stuff that he's doing. All of it's a, a complete fabrication, obviously. None of that's true. There's nobody – this is supposedly taking place over, like, a five-year span, mm. and there's no way – that a person goes from dirt poor to filthy rich in five years, I think doing anything incredibly legal, particularly in the 20s. Maybe now if you launched an app, <laughs> maybe you would be able to do something like that. But at the time, I don't know. I don't think so. Right. But the whole thing is that he still hasn't revealed to Nick that he was poor. No, that's so true. So again, that he's still later. maintaining this illusion that he came from money just like the rest of them. But yeah. Um, Nick being so mesmerized by Gatsby has not caught on to the one glaring fact that Gatsby is so obviously new money with oh, yeah. how flashy he is, with how much money he spends on things that are not important. Yeah. I don't think Nick pays attention to that very much. That no. he's just like, oh yes, there is definitely a difference here mm. right now that he notices between like old money and new money. No, he sees right. he sees just a lot of money in general and oh, we're going to lunch at this weird underground club and right. stuff. Because of course it's the 20s, but they're serving alcohol everywhere. Well, I mean, they go into a speakeasy, yeah. they meet this, okay, which is actually the most hilarious scene in the movie yeah. when Gatsby's like, let's go to lunch and you can meet Meyer Wolfsheim um, who will vouch for (laughs) how great I am. And so they go into this speakeasy. They meet the most terrifying looking man you could expect who's kind of slightly senile, which makes him him a little bit scarier, actually. (laughs) He has... um... He has... Man, his mustache game is on point, though. He looks great. Just great. But he is... Like, he's intimidating immediately. And you cannot look at a man like that and not immediately be like, oh, yeah, he's he's a gangster. Oh, totally. Like, he's got he's got a tie clip that has a human molar on oh it. God, yeah. And he even tells Nick this. So he's, <laughs> he's shameless about who he is, yes. which also makes him terrifying. And mm-hmm. so he go, they go strutting into this speakeasy where they see the police commissioner, they see a senator, they see, you know, a whole bunch of people who should not be in an illegal... Um, underground establishment yeah that's it where they're doing things they're not supposed to do and Meyer Wolfsheim so I'll rewind Gatsby orders lunch and I said this to you when we were watching the movie he says I'll have the lobster because it's got truffles on it and so it just goes back to this this notion that Gatsby does everything he thinks he should do based on wealth so it's like he doesn't necessarily want the lobster but he orders it because he figures that that's should, the most expensive thing. He should want the lobster. He should want right? the lobster. And, it should, and it will look good if he has the lobster. Right. And then you, know, you were commenting because you were like, who's going to eat lunch in this place where there's basically a peep show happening at the front, like two feet away from your face? They're at the table that's right next to the stage. Like, how are you going to crack girls, open your lobster? And yeah, and girls are just like, the girls at the front gyrating. are performing and like gyrating right there. And I'm like, wouldn't you, isn't that weird? It, I want to eat my lobster in peace, please. I need How are you going to crack it open? I, I need a space. I need a face okay cut that out uh, so anyway so he orders this lobster he goes 
scuttling off to make some phone call that he's like, I'm going to go make that phone call. And then they never make reference to this again, <laughs> it ever. It doesn't matter. It's not important. It's not important. And then Meyer Wolfsheim leans in and he, he starts rambling about how Gatsby's like a really stand-up guy and how you would really trust him with your wife. With like, which like what? <laughs> and you know, Nick's sitting there. He's like, I'm not married. I'm not married. <laughs> and then Gatsby comes back and says, what are you talking about? And he goes, other, other people's, people's wives. wives. <laughs> Such an uncomfortable commentary to have. And then, and then of course, Tom. And then Tom, yeah, Tom yeah. shows up at the club. Because um, of course, he's in a place like this. Uh, and they, you know, they have a really awkward exchange where he doesn't give two shits about Gatsby when oh, he meets no, him. he doesn't and, even look at him. No, and Gatsby cannot meet his eyes yes. in the meantime. So mm-hmm. that's an interesting thing to see. And then he flits off into the crowd and you can't find him anymore. Right. Um, so and so I think Nick's like discombobulated by all of this. So when he goes to tea with Jordan after this, he's mm-hmm. like, okay, what the hell is going on? Yeah. And then Jordan kind of clarifies a little bit more. But again, she's only able to reveal the details that Gatsby has shared with her, yeah. which are still you know a lie <laughs> all a lie well kind of at least a lot of it is probably not the part about you know him he and daisy and like how they met and everything and the fact that you know he's in love with her and he lost her and he wants to like get her back and blah 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 and of course you know she as they continue their conversation you know jordan reveals because of course nick in his little naive way is still like oh how funny that he you know lived right across the water from her this whole time and everything and jordan's like okay this is not a coincidence <laughs> like keep up friend <laughs> she's like like jordan is like this like sage guide for Nick yeah and she's like why are you so dumb she needs to take him and she's so she, you know she's like no that's not why she's like yeah. he kept on throwing these parties hoping she'd wander in at one yeah. point and everything and he knows she's right there because of course we've already seen the visual at this point too of you know Gatsby walking to the end of his dock and reaching for that green light which is of course symbolism for reaching for the American dream yeah. it's just out of reach for Gatsby and it goes back to um the 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 idea that the American dream is all a lie, right? Like, it's just out of reach for him. He wasn't born with the privilege that yeah. he needs to attain that American dream. Um, and later on in the movie, I'm just jumping forward just for a second mm-hmm. here, um, he mentions it to Daisy and Tom, their green light that they have. And and they're just like, we have no idea what you're talking yeah. about. Neither what of green them, light? Neither of them are aware, because I think it's like on their little baby lighthouse or whatever the hell that they've thing is that's on the dock. They've never noticed it. No. They've never had to. They've never had to because they already have it. They already yep. have it. Exactly. They're not happy, but they already have everything. Yeah, and I think that like, just to take a moment to to talk about Daisy, Carrie Mug- Mulligan does such a good job as yeah. Daisy with this like, so she's described as having like this like, like breath breathy breathy voice she sounds like Marilyn Monroe basically right and and the idea in the book is that she speaks this way to so that you have to lean in to listen to her um and she draws you closer this way Mm -hmm. um but the the way that she is she's so obviously unhappy Oh, yeah, all the um, time. She's so, she has everything, but she's so disillusioned. She she's says, so sad. She says, I've been everywhere, I've seen everything, and I've had a terrible time. Yeah. So she's just so unhappy, and then she delivers that line about her daughter because, you know, she says, I, I had this child who, by the way, is never mentioned again. You only ever. see her once again at the end. And at the end, it, yeah. Um, and she says that I hope she becomes a fool 
I hope she's a beautiful little fool because that's all a a girl can be. Which is a loaded statement and also like that's really sad. I think I think that might be Daisy's like saddest moment that she Mm -hmm. has is just like you know being happy that she has a daughter because her daughter can just be and that's it hoping her daughter is beautiful and stupid basically so that she's just not totally aware of what she has and what she can't have because she's a woman so it's like it doesn't matter how much wealth you were born into if you were a woman then you are not allowed to have the freedom that you want and I think that's why Daisy uh, looks to Jordan so much because she does represent kind of a new age of woman yes who is financially independent and who can stand on her own two feet yeah and Jordan doesn't Jordan's not after her for anything. No. She's not after her for money or anything because she doesn't need it herself. She's fine. She's sorted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think it must be for people like the Buchanans. It must be rare to find genuine friends like that mm-hmm. who are simply friends with you because they want to be and not because they want something from you. Right. Or just to stand in a room flaunting all the stuff that you have or the places yeah. you've been, or just talk about pointless things together. So. Yeah, so I digressed about Daisy for a moment, but going back to the story. So basically, the Nick gets everything set up for tea mm. um, with Gatsby and with Daisy. Because that was his request. It becomes like a really funny kind of scene, of course, because, you know, they're at his cottage. And of course, Gatsby's like, oh, well, uh, we'll need to have the lawn cut and stuff. And, you know, he's <laughs> like looking around Nick like, Nick makes like six cupcakes for this. Like, yeah, he's, he's like, so I cute. did a great job. Yeah, he's just like, oh, yeah, so I got this ready. And then you've got Gatsby coming over with his parade wedding of cake. <laughs> it looks like a wedding. He brings enough flowers to make an entire wedding with um you know all of the stuff and he brings like this huge like four-tiered cake all of these extra like the little like macaron and all these little like Mm. things that he's got around there and he's all upset because it's raining oh my gosh and he keeps checking like the hour it's supposed to be done he's like it's almost four i think you know the paper said the rain should let up around four he's he's so good in this scene um because you can see that he's a man who typically has built a life where he has control over everything but you can't control the weather no there is no way so of course it's raining on this day that's supposed to be beautiful and Mm. he is you know unhappy about that and then he's just pacing like a cat pretty much in the place and right 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 before she shows up he's just like I can't wait around forever and he just like gets up to run away and Nick's trying to calm him down and there's a bit of chaos and then Daisy does show up obviously right at that moment right and then she walks in and it's just so cute because you know Nick is welcoming her and saying I'm so glad you're here and she goes why are you in love with me and it's just the way she says it like Carrie Mulligan is just so cute and then she walks in and Nick is is pausing he's letting her go in and meet with Gatsby yeah because she's supposed to be seeing him and then of course you know and she's like saying she's like oh he is in love with me he is in love with me because of all these all these flowers all this cake all this stuff everywhere and then Nick walks in and he's like where the hell is Gatsby who has vanished (laughs) so it turns out he basically ran out the patio door because the door is cracked open then there's a knock at the door (laughs) Nick goes to the door and Gatsby's standing there soaking wet because he's just white suit yeah because he's just changed his mind about four different times I get the feeling and yeah. then finally decided he needs to come in but he's just like sopping wet 
comes in, finally gets up the nerve to go, you know, sort of around, and they have their little moment where they... I'm certainly glad to see you again. Yes, and then he very uncomfortably is like, I'm glad to see you too. And then Nick is like, I'm going to go into town, and then Gatsby, again, there's like this big kerfuffle, and he's like, you're being very rude, and Gatsby's like, like, okay. He's just there, and he's like, you're acting like a child, and Gatsby just holds up his hand like, fine, and he like brushes his hair back and goes to fix everything. So it's, you know, what's so great about this movie is obviously they had to take a lot of liberties with adding into the characters because it's a novella so you know you get this this extra dimension to the characters and again these actors did such an amazing job Mm -hmm. with it um and so they have this amazing tea and then cue like this montage where you're seeing where like daisy's coming over to the house and she's seeing all the stuff that Gatsby has. And and I said this to you um, in that first scene where he brings her over to her house, uh, to his house, yeah. sorry, um, where he's showing her all her his stuff and he's going through everything. You realize that Gatsby doesn't actually care about anything material because he, no. he comes from a poor family and everything he did was for this one woman yeah. because he loved her. Mm-hmm. Um, so the material stuff is just like, something that he had to get to, to attract her. To get her, yeah. And he, yeah. I think that that's how he feels about everything that he has, everything that he's gotten. It's just been to get her. It doesn't really mean anything no, to him. No, and I don't think he cares about it no. either. And that's why he has these parties where people ruin his house. He does not care. No, he doesn't care about it. Um, and then, you know, Daisy has this moment where she cries over his shirts. And I think she's having this moment where she realizes the type of life that she could have had if she wasn't so... Um, materialistic, you know, because yeah. you find out that um, he had written her a letter five years ago to tell her that he was penniless and can you wait for me? And she wanted to, but her family essentially forced her to marry uh, Tom. Tom. Yeah. Um, side note, they say that Tom gave Daisy a string of pearls that were worth three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in nineteen seventeen. Yeah. So, so we were like, let's Google this because we wanted to know what this was worth. I was really curious. I was like, three hundred and fifty thousand dollars is a lot now, right? For pearls. Yeah. And so I Googled it, and turns out that the value of that today would be eight point four million dollars. Just absurd for a string of pearls like I think that that's actually impossible if you know anything about this please let me know yeah I don't know if anybody (laughs) if anybody has any like expertise on gems and things like let me know but yeah I don't see how a string of pearls would cost I don't even see how a string of pearls would cost $350,000 now that's what I'm saying yeah maybe we're just not rich enough Megan uh, yeah you know what that's fine that's okay because it's just a waste of money anyway so um so they're kind of living happily but we then find out that, you know, Gatsby has this bigger plan. And I think everything he does is part of this bigger plan and this vision of his life that he has. Yeah. And so the next part of his plan is that Daisy has to leave Tom. But not only is she does she have to leave Tom, she has to say that she never loved him. Yeah, he has this... I mean, first of all, this is like this is like what you get kind of for trying to hit the reset button on something. It doesn't work that way. Once Mm -hmm. it's done, it's done. Mm -hmm. But also he is, he is determined. He is determined. He's decided to be determined to be the only man that she's ever really loved. Um, and unfortunately, you know, you can see almost immediately that she is struggling to find a way to do that or say that or articulate it. Yeah. So I think that, you know, when, when he's explaining this to Nick, 
um, Nick clues into this. Like, he even says to Gatsby, like, you know, isn't it enough that you're having fun? Yeah. Um, and even Daisy says that a little bit later on. Yeah, she but, does, yeah. But for Gatsby, like, it's not enough to have fun. And this is where Nick says to him, you can't repeat the past. And he says, of course you can. So he's got this idea that if he gets her to admit that she never loved Tom, it means that the last five years never happened. Never happened. They're happy. They're together. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah, I know. I love when he says, like, it mean, you know, Nick saying, you can't you can't just repeat the past. And he says, of course you can. And I'm like, what? What? No. no. And no, it, it doesn't it doesn't work that way and then this I think these are probably the moments where Nick realizes the most that this is so much bigger than he thought that it was to begin with yeah and this is something that they do a great job of showing in the movie um because in the book like this is an iconic line and it does it is there but um you know it's not like a realization it's more of a oh okay this is what his plan is uh whereas in the movie you start to almost panic because Nick is starting to panic. Yeah. To be like, um, like this is not how things work. And so then, you know, he starts to tell Daisy, Gatsby starts to tell Daisy, like, this is the plan. And Daisy says, well, isn't it enough that we're just having fun? Can't yeah. we just keep having fun? Well, she also wanted to run, run away. away. Yeah, yeah. She wants to run away essentially where she's like, oh, you know, that for her, I think that would be her reset would mm. be for them to just simply take off together and live a life together. Mm. And, but of course, for him, no, because for him, no, I have to have gotten you and I have to have gotten you and be able to show you off to yes. everybody everywhere. And once again, like this goes back to kind of Gatsby thinking that he's a gentleman, yeah. but he's not. Like, he's this playing is not, one. But... This is not the way that, that someone from old money would behave because first of all, they would never leave their husband. Like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no. You can't do that. You, you couldn't have done do that, that in the 20s. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't hang about with the man that you left your husband for. No, true. <laughs> Yeah, you wouldn't stay in town. If you were to do so, you would leave the city and probably the country. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, then we we fast forward to this scene where um, they're all at Daisy and Tom's and Gatsby's there and he's all ready because he's like, we're going to tell Tom that, that she's leaving him and that she never loved him. Yeah. And once be- again, Nick is like panicking. He's freaked it. out, which I understand. Yeah, because of course they've been spending secret time together you know over the last couple of months it's always over the summer over the summer so I assume it's like the span of a couple of months they've been spending time together secretly and having this affair and I'm sure that when they're alone together it is easier for her to say like yes yes I'm gonna have this conversation with Tom I will leave him and I will tell him that I never loved him because I'm sure that it's easier for her to think that then also this is when and this is yeah I always notice this when they do this in a movie where every time there's an affair that's happening the wedding ring makes a big old appearance on someone's Mm. hand and they almost like it's almost like they're focusing in on it and I'm always like oh god because they're just it's just the implication of like you know if you were doing something like this and you saw the wedding ring felt the wedding ring while you were with someone else oh it would bother me so much well you would like take that thing off before you went over to this person yeah but there's there's a a brashness to someone who doesn't yeah I guess and it I think at that point like Daisy genuinely thought that well she seems very happy at this point which is a lot happier than she seems at all for the rest mm-hmm. of the the movie. Um, and I think in her mind, yeah, maybe Gatsby could be that person that she could marry and be with and have yeah. a life with. But then you get to this scene where Gatsby's about to open up his mouth and tell Tom, and she just she, freaks out. She panics. She, she panics. And she's like, let's go to the plaza, which... 
is the most random idea. Oh, it's so like, stupid because it's hot. Everybody's complaining hot. that it's super Why hot. Why would you go to the city where it's even hotter rather than stand by the water where you live? Where you live, where it's nice probably breeze. breezier and cooler and they can get you ice there too. You don't have to go into the city to get I ice. Know. And so they go off into the city. Um, Jordan and Nick are with them. Unwillingly at this Unwillingly. point, I think. They're like, both they're like, so uncomfortable. so awkward and hot. Ugh. And they go in two separate cars. Um, they get to the city. They have this huge argument in the hotel room, yes. as predicted. Um, and Gatsby shows his true colors. He, well, he loses his temper mm. and uh, gets very angry and quite aggressive with Tom. Mm. And it is... Of course, a display that now we'd probably be like, this looks like a bar fight to me. Mm. But at the time, of course, with somebody who is meant to be a gentleman, quote unquote, um, you wouldn't have, a show like this would have been someone being like, oh, talk about a brute, mm. you know, talk about someone who really is lower class and mm. things because, of course, a, gen- a true gentleman would never lose his temper this mm-hmm. way. And as soon as... It's happening anyway. Like the illusion is kind of like disappearing anyway for mm. Daisy. But as soon as this happens, it is just shattered. It's oh yeah, done. she's done. Yeah, and she even says, "Tom, I can't stand it." Yeah, and so immediately, like any belief that she had that she could have had some form of a life with Gatsby, it's gone because she goes back to looking for Tom. He's her safety net as much of a piece of garbage as he is. Um, she knows where she stands with Tom. Yeah. And I think the outburst from Gatsby was too unpredictable for her. Yeah, she's uh, she's not the kind of person who's going to be comfortable with somebody being unpredictable in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, like she knows what she's dealing with with yeah. Tom. And so they then, you know, get into a, her and Gatsby, they get into the car. Uh, they run over Myrtle. Yeah, there's like um, this whole thing where, of course, Myrtle sees Gatsby's car. Um, Tom was driving it earlier into mm-hmm. the city. She thinks it's Tom. And her her idiot of a husband has figured out that she's obviously having an affair with someone. So mm-hmm. he's like, no, we're leaving the city. We're going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she runs out into the street to try and stop who she thinks is Tom. It's not. It's Gatsby and Daisy in the car. They hit her. She dies immediately because it's very violent. Mm-hmm. They, made it, they make it very stylistic. It looks great in the movie. But from what I understand, it's in the book it's very violent it's pretty gruesome like they they describe it as like her breast comes detached Oof, yes yeah. ouch and she's you know dead on impact basically right. at that point so um tom and nick and jordan are in the other car and they come upon this whole scene after and see that she's dead and that wilson's freaked out and tom uses this opportunity because he's upset as well about myrtle mm. and about the rest of the situation to put ideas into Wilson's head and say, oh no, that car that belongs to Jay Gatsby, you know, this he's is where a, he lives. He's a crook. He lives, yeah. he's out in West Egg, you know, something ought to be done about somebody like that. Yeah. And she w- and Myrtle was obviously having an affair with this guy, right? Yeah. For, oh yeah, that's true. And he says, he's just like, oh, maybe, you know, cause Wilson's an idiot and mm-hmm. he's just like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe, uh, he's the one that my wife was, that Myrtle was fooling around with. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, Tom's just like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Top notch on the accent. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're getting into character. <laughs> We're taking this to the next level. To the next level. Anyway, so then, oh, it's not funny. Oh, a woman died. Oh, <laughs> my God. We're not laughing about that. <laughs> anyway, so um, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> 
<laughs> totally lost it. All right. So um, they go back. So, of course, uh, Tom the lot, they go back to the house. They go, you know, him and Jordan go inside. And Nick is like, I'm going to go home because this was a lot, guys. Mm. And then he comes across. Gatsby in the bushes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, hiding there. He's so cute. And he's just, because he's determined to make sure that Daisy's okay. And this conversation between him and Nick is when you realize that actually Daisy was driving the car. And not mowed down Myrtle. And mowed down Myrtle. I okay so in the movie they don't really make it I think it's just because she's like upset they don't really make it look like she did it on purpose but I'm not sure if she did in the book I think in the book um it's mentioned that she was driving Myrtle ran out and Daisy knew who she was okay and Gatsby couldn't figure out why she didn't just stop Stop the the car car. okay so see they don't they don't have that conversation in the movie Mm. they're meant to I think they're trying to make her look like a little bit more innocent Mm. which makes no sense to me they should have done it they should have oh, just yeah. done it the like, other way. Like, let's see all of the characters' colors, please. Yeah, you know? that's it. Just make it more multifaceted. I'm fine mm. with it. It would have been good. Um, okay, yeah. So, but he's, you know, of course, he's obsessed with making sure that Daisy's okay. And he's totally fine with being the one that people think hit this woman and right. killed her with his car. Because he's crazy. Yeah. And then, you know, Nick sees him afterwards, like a little later, and he's cleaning all the blood off of the car, basically, like in his garage. Mm. He's just doing it himself by hand. He's not even getting one of his lackeys to do it. He's mm. doing it on his own own um and is completely sure that in the morning daisy will call him she will call Mm -hmm. him tomorrow Mm -hmm. she just needs to sort some stuff out and think about some things she will call him in the morning and nick's Mm -hmm. kind of trying to be like i don't think so yeah um and Uh, this is where he tells gatsby you know they're a rotten crowd you're worth more than the whole damn bunch yeah um and this is like a a real turning point for nick where i think he realizes just how awful they are as oh yeah i think because he saw how daisy was not going to go through with anything and how gatsby constructed his entire life for this woman um and so you know they have this exchange again another iconic line from the book what I really appreciate about this movie is that they pulled so many lines from they the book. They do pull a lot of the really good lines from the story. Um, and the next day, Nick is at work. He's not worth much at work because he's so tired. Yeah. Um, Gatsby's waiting for this phone call. and Taking he's waiting, a dip in the pool. Takes a dip in the pool. And then Wilson shows that his name Wilson yes shows yeah. up and shoots Gatsby for killing Myrtle which he didn't which he didn't do but he obviously anyway he's been he's he's a not we're, we're being mean to him it's not like he's like an absolute idiot it's just he's not an incredibly intelligent person so he's easily manipulated right and Tom knows this oh um, yeah and so Gatsby's taken care of um and then cue like this whole you know, kind of the end of the movie where it's all Nick narrating what happened next, which was that all of these, like, henchmen came into the house, picked it clean, nobody mm-hmm. came to the funeral. Oh, yes, it's Meyer, Wolfsheim, or whatever. His people apparently right. came and took everything out of the took house. everything. The um, tabloids pinned everything on Gatsby. Yeah. The affair with Myrtle, hitting her with the car, yeah. all that stuff. And then um, Tom and Daisy just promptly disappeared. They um, leave New York. They're like, they bye, leave. we're going away for bye. an extended forever. And, like, this is really kind of the breaking point for Nick, where he, he expected Daisy to at least send a flower or show up at the funeral yeah. and she doesn't and actually in the book um so in the movie they they have this moment where they say that Gatsby told Nick everything okay I think in the book the uh, Nick uh, sorry Gatsby's father shows up to the funeral okay oh yeah no I think you might be right yeah. actually and uh and tells Nick the whole story yeah. of 
James Gatz. Yes. Who this is who he actually mm-hmm. was and everything. Yeah, they I don't know, whatever. They farmer just, from Dakota. Yeah, yeah. They took their creative license and decided to change it and not mm-hmm. introduce another character probably right mm-hmm. at the end of the film. Right. So. And that's fair enough. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, so all this happens and you know, the the movie ends with Nick being in this psychiatric ward and I guess feeling a little bit better because he got his story down on paper. Yeah. Um, but in the book, you know, it just there is no psychiatric ward. It's just Nick. I think he's just writing story. or telling the story basically, isn't he? Yeah. And so it's a very um Oh, and then we fade out with the view of the green light blinking again right. across the bay which is just god all of the all of the like the visual colors and everything are just so 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 well done because it really evokes emotion oh it really does and it's so again it gives this story so much life outside of you know the the very sad story that it is Mm -hmm. um but for an for a story that was written by an American author, and like you have to understand, F. Scott Fitzgerald was like a raging alcoholic. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, and he had his whole thing with Zelda. I I don't know enough about their relationship. I don't know if they. You know, there's a TV together. show that I have not watched really? that I should. Yeah, that has to do with his relationship with Zelda specifically. Well then, we will be doing an episode <laughs> on that. Um, so uh, yeah, so it, it just ended on such a bleak note. This oh, yeah. story. And the all the themes about the American dream, searching for your identity based on your birth. Yeah. You know, um, these recurring themes that you get in American literature, normally there's hope. There's some form of hope. And Nick says it twice in the movie that Gatsby is the most hopeful person that he th- he's, ever, he's met. ever met yeah. and that he thinks he will ever meet. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's bleak and it's hard to... Um, swallow that this is how this story ends Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that that's another thing that makes this story so unique um, in yeah it circumvents that idea in American lit of there being a certain amount of hope at the end of the story that's really not what the story is about it's to you know talk about this character how much you know how kind of wonderful in the end he was Mm -hmm. and how sad it is that he's gone and how much it's affected the narrator of the story Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's it. So, Megan, the question is, was the book better? <sighs> this is a tough one. Um, I say, I feel like I'm going to say that about everything. Well, all the good ones, anyway. I'm sure <laughs> we're going to get to some that are not good. Um, this is a difficult one, I find. It, like, there's a part of me, mm, I don't know. You know what? I think I want to say that the book was better mm. because without it, we wouldn't have the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and without like a lot of the emotion that was, and the narration of the book itself and the iconic lines, mm. this film wouldn't be what it is and mm-hmm. it wouldn't exist the way that it does. So I'm going to go with the book and that's my opinion. And I would actually agree with you. Um, you make a really good point. Now we said at the beginning that this had a very low rating um, on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Rotten, rotten tomatoes. No, I said rotten tomatoes. <laughs> oh, they should change the name. I like that. <laughs> On the old rotten tomatoes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> wrong track. Rotten tomatoes. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you make a really great. <laughs> thinking about it okay, okay, okay. I, can, I can just see the meme with the girl <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay 
Um, Who boy. So I would tend to agree with you because you make a really great point in, you know, at the beginning we mentioned this horrible rating. <laughs> <laughs> now you can't even go out So it's got a low rating um, yeah. by film critics. Um, but I think that if you haven't read the book and really taken the time to absorb all of the themes, all of the characters, really study it, then, yeah, this movie would just be like a whole burst of color with like yeah, not much. Yeah, beautiful things with beautiful lines and yeah. beautiful delivery and wonderful performances, but there would it probably doesn't feel like there's much substance to it. Yeah, you might not yeah. really understand. Yeah. Or you, you might, but you might just be kind of like, eh, why should I care about these people, right? Yeah. But, but if you know the background of how iconic this book is yes. um, and what it represents in American literature, um, <clears throat> you have such an appreciation. Well, I have such an appreciation for this oh, movie. Yeah. 100%. Um, so I would say that the book was better because you absolutely need the book to understand the movie and you know this book is really what um made me fall in love with american literature and actually a lot of literature this is actually probably my favorite story but we want to know what you guys think of the great gatsby uh do you love it do you hate it have you seen this movie can you not see yourself watching an adaptation of it ever again after you saw the one from the 70s i wouldn't blame you uh let us know we are taking a look at this as far as well as every other thing classic literature over on the website at fullybooked.ca what did i say classic literature (laughs) (laughs) we are taking a look at everything american literature over on the website at fullybooked.ca you can also hit us up on instagram at fullybookedca or over on our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash book was way better Uh, But until next time, keep on reading. Thanks, guys.